you're tuning into this podcast is a bad idea. You're one-stop shop for pop culture quirks. I'm Fru, he's Murph. Every episode, we have a new selection of goodies to discuss on the agenda, and today's main topic is Rise of the Brave Tangle of Dragons. So what's your podcast about? You're listening to... This is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. best doom feeling when i looked at both our audio for the last episode and i was like oh oh no where you had almost no waveform and my waveform was so fat that it was cut off on the top and bottom i I only just learned it because i was testing it now and i was like hold on that's not the um (laughs) that's not the waveform i was getting when i was testing my audio just now why is it suddenly and so i did the snap test snap at the webcam snap at the headset (laughs) And the snap at the webcam was much bigger. <laughs> so, so Murph, how... how the was... season's upon us, Fru. Yes, the, the, the season is here. The darkness, the cold, the wet. <laughs> um, <laughs> what have you been doing to stay sane indoors? Um, well, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. <laughs> so I don't think if I've been staying sane, because I've just been watching Christmas Carol adaptations... Just every... How many are there? A a ton, if you count, like, individual, like, shows spoofing it, or just, like, TV movies, foreign adaptations. (laughs) So far, I've gotten, uh, 13 in. Okay, 13. But I plan on doing more now that, uh, work is winding down. Ugh, okay. Lucky. How many had you seen previously? I think I'd seen, like, the fair number, like, the, um... The Robert Zemeckis one, the Muppet one, you know, plenty of, like I said, like every cartoon show did a parody. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. That's true. Do you have a, do you have a favorite? the Flintstones one, the Rankin Bass one. <laughs> Is there a leader of the pack? Right now, I think my top three are uh, 1951's Scrooge with Alistair Sim, Ooh. then A Christmas Carol from 1999 with Sir Patrick Stewart as Scrooge. Okay, I don't think I've seen that one. I was surprised. I had never heard of it, but, uh, and then number three is Scrooge with Bill Murray. See, I remember liking that, but I haven't seen it since I was a child, so I don't know. I am scared to watch it again. <laughs> so it's good? Yeah, I think it's, what Scrooge does is it's probably the best modern adaptation, um, like this year, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds put out like Spirited. Oh, okay. Which is sort of like a a a subversion of the story. Ryan Reynolds, the but, guy. Okay. Um, I think it just has good musical numbers and Will Ferrell's brand of comedy, which is like undermining each punchline by pointing out it's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. No, that that sounds fun. Okay. But uh, I really like the Alistair Sim one. I watched that yesterday. Alistair Sim is the best Scrooge because he looks the most like an asshole you would know. <laughs> he, this guy you just want to deck in the face. His like expressions, the way he says his lines, Ooh. just real. He has big Karen energy. <laughs> big Karen energy. I don't know if Charles Dickens knew that such a thing would happen. I think. Because the other one that's good is Patrick Stewart, and Patrick Stewart plays it almost more tragic. Like, he's a guy that 
is more set in his ways, and he's aware that he's an asshole, but he doesn't know what else to do. And that's sort of like the actual, um, because I also read an annotated version of A Christmas Carol, and that's sort of what spawned this off. And sort of going into, like, the behind the scenes, what was Dickens' motivation, what was, like, his authorial intent. And, like, the thing that a lot of modern things don't get about Scrooge is that Scrooge's wealth does not bring him happiness. Mm, okay. You know? Yeah. Unlike, because people say, like, oh, we should do, like, Christmas Carol with Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. <laughs> and that's, like, not, yeah, they're rich, but the whole thing about Scrooge is that he's a miser. He doesn't, like, heat his home because coal is expensive. Yeah, the... All he does is accrue wealth. He doesn't use it. it it's not that so he... he's miserable. It, it's not that he has no humanity in him. It's that he's lost it. Yeah. And I think Patrick Stewart definitely captures that. Um, the ghost of Christmas past in that one is Joel Grey. Oh, okay. That's all you had to say. <laughs> yeah, I think that one's very good. That one's like definitely the most tragic, but Alistair Sim definitely gets the point nice. of Scrooge as a character. Okay, okay. And then, and then there's the Muppet one. That one I don't really have that high ranked. I've never, I've never liked Michael Caine as Scrooge. <laughs> I'm really glad. And feel very validated to hear you say that because I had thoughts and then my dear partner during the movie, because we watched the restored version on Disney Plus oh, with yeah. the missing song added back in. Um, and he's like, I don't believe it when Michael Caine says humbug. <laughs> and yes. that's a very specific note, but I, it totally tracks for the character. He's too stiff. And I don't know if it's something in the direction because mm -hmm. he said he was going to like do it as he's as if he was working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Ooh. He was going to play it completely yeah. straight. Yeah. But I don't... Maybe I'm just now realizing that I don't really like Michael Caine as an actor. <laughs> oh, no! But... Well, really, we're all watching Muppet Christmas Carol for Rizzo, and Rizzo only. Um, I also really like the Robert Zemeckis one, which some people clown on because, haha, Uncanny Valley. Yeah. But I think it does a lot of very clever things with... Zemeckis knows how to use the tech. It's just the tech was never quite there for him the same way it was for James Cameron. You right. Know, he really uses it to create the feeling that you are a ghost watching scenes. You're a fly on the wall. Exactly. And that... That gives a great tone to that. And also, Jim Carrey is a great Scrooge. Yeah. He's also good as all the ghosts. We we rewatched <laughs> we re The Grinch, Jim Carrey's Grinch this year. Um, I have, like, no Christmas I spirit. have not seen that since theaters, and I fell asleep in theaters. It's astoundingly still funny. It's just Jim Carrey pulling everyone along. Yeah, I guess... I guess maybe this year I'll I'll finally revisit it, but I'm one of those people that like firmly does not like it. I I don't think the Grinch needs a 90 minute to 2 hour adaptation. If there's anything to say about it, it is that there's they add on an hour of movie before mm -hmm. the Dr. Seuss story comes in. <laughs> Yeah. And so that's definitely something to be said about it. But no, uh, Christmas Carols was not an endeavor I ever imagined, but it sounds really rewarding. It, it, you know, because it just, every adaptation just has a different um, flavor to it. You can really tell how we feel about the wealthy by any given, like, the year it's set. Mm -hmm. It also, like, when you get to, like, modern adaptations, like, how they interpret Tiny Tim. Yeah. <laughs> what's the modern equivalent of having 
typhus or whatever the boy has. Oh, God. Pneumonia. It's, mm, he, he's just there to drive in how terrible Scrooge is. Scrooge, you asshole, you're going to kill this small child. <laughs> well, it's not so much that Scrooge kills him, it's that by being indifferent, by doing nothing, Scrooge yeah. kills him. Yeah, yeah. He has the potential. Yeah, speaking of, um, speaking of dying. <laughs> and potential. <laughs> and potential. And, and lost potential, and maybe not doing all you could with with the talents <laughs> and wealth that God gave you. Who's... Tell me about, tell me what Tim Burton's up to. Tell me what Timmy Burtz is up to. <laughs> Timmy Burtz. Um, so, I did the right thing and was very excited walking into... Um, the first episode of Netflix's Wednesday, starring Jenna mm-hmm. Ortega, and it she she is delightful. She's very nice and talented. The rest of the show didn't quite work on me. I'm not interested in watching more. So you've only seen the first step. I only saw the first episode. Um, it was immediately Riverdale. It was immediately Sabrina the Teenage Witch, where it was like, there's no reason for this character to go to school and solve crimes, but this is what she's going to do now. And it also follows, mm-hmm. like, the 2019 movie thing where, like, she has powers. She and Morticia can both, like, see. They both have visions when they, uh, like, randomly, like, when it, it I, don't, I forget what even spurs it on. But it all looks great. Like, they make a whole thing out of how Wednesday's literally allergic to color. And so they modify the Nevermore Academy uniform for it to be grayscale for her, which huh. is really funny. So, yeah, the whole the whole premise, like the trailer immediately threw me off where it's like Wednesday goes to a couple normal schools, but she gets kicked out. And then Gomez is like, oh, wait a minute. I should send you to the magic school for weird kids. Yes. That I went to. That's pretty much exactly it's... what it is. Not even just that she gets kicked out. She literally throws piranhas into the boys swimming team's like practice and maims one of them for making fun of Pugsley uh-huh. because she's like a protective older sister. How are, how are like the, the, the Adams. They're barely in the episode. Um, They give Wednesday because Wednesday's very anti-tech. She's, she's uh-huh. a neophyte. She's, wait, neophobic. <laughs> Luddite. Luddite, that one. Neophyte means something wildly, wildly different. Wildly different, Freudian slip. Um, so they, like, give her... Do you remember the headphones in the Halloween Town sequel? Where it's, like, the shrunken head, and yes. they can talk to each other the that headphones. way? headphones. They basically do that. It's a crystal ball, where they're like, oh, you can okay. call us this way, darling. It's okay. The over-under, how do you feel about the atoms, like, actually being magic? Mm, it's weird. It's weird to me. I feel like, because they mention that there's a history of witchcraft in their family, or at least being associated with witchcraft, like, Grandmama mm-hmm. is a witch. She practices in the home in, like, the, the 90s Sonnenfeld version. And, yeah. like, there's that. But, like, Wednesday's going to Nevermore Academy where they call the outside people normies and her roommate's a werewolf. They call them normies? They do, and it's very ironic. It's very ironic that they call them normies. But it's really weird because Wednesday's still ostracized. Uh-huh. For being, like, cold and violent and dark, and it's like, wow, okay, so you go to the school for different people, but you're too different for the different people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gwendolyn Christie's nice. 
Okay, who does she play? Is she like the headmistress? Uh, pr- uh, Principal Weems. Weems, okay. Yeah, she's like the bright, peppy principal <laughs> of, like, the dean of the school. I can see her having fun with that. Yeah, she's she's cute. And, and it's, again, there's a lot of good ideas. Does it feel Burton-y? Mm, what, here, what not... was the last, like, Tim Burton movie you were really all about? Okay, so it's Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Fair enough. It's like the last time he got it right. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the last time he got it right. And so it's, yeah, because there's a lot of good ideas. I wish I felt Tim in the production process more. Like, if you're going to put your name on it, I don't want it to feel, I want it to feel like it's also his. And so, like, what really solidified it for me, because when you go on TikTok, the kids are dying. Wednesday is, like, the new Eddie Munson from Stranger Things. They all love her. They are championing their new Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but goth. It's, but I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It's horrifying. And then I go on YouTube, and two of the fashion bloggers that I like to watch, these are Modern Girls and Mina Lay, and they both like to do, like, not just fashion analysis, but media analysis overall, mm-hmm. both of them are entirely lukewarm on the show. And I'm like, yes, yes, that's so validating. Thank you. Thank you. It definitely seems like something more made for the youngins. I haven't heard like any adult uh, takes on it that are positive. And I think that's because I feel like because most of the adults um, remember growing up with Tim Burton, like releasing... Like, you would be excited for a new Tim Burton movie. And then, whereas, like, the kids just watch, like, Beetlejuice and Nightmare. It's like, oh, this is Tim Burton's filmography. (laughs) Yeah. Or even then, like, younger Gen Zs have grown up with Beetlejuice the musical being popular canon already. Oh, yeah. And that changes, I feel like, completely changes the text overall. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Just having that being there. Because it used to be like, oh, I was never a fan of the show because, like, the the cartoon, because they make Beetlejuice too buddy-buddy. Yeah. Um, they make him into a good guy instead of, like, just an asshole. Yeah, freak. <laughs> yeah, which is, like, he's supposed to be a pariah. He's supposed to be off-putting. Yeah. And so I feel very, like, old man yelling at clouds. But what if it me? But what if it me? It's, <laughs> it's, it's so true. And it's, man, it lost potential. The whole thing felt like lost potential, but it really just felt like it didn't have to be Adam's family. Mm-hmm. I found myself thinking if you wanted it to be IP, we're bringing back a ton of white, like Y2K properties. Like I saw, uh, I saw someone unironically wearing a happy bunny shirt on TikTok last week. And that threw me. I'm like, where did you get that? Are they selling them again? Yeah, I think it's just, I think my favorite adaptation or version of the Adam's family are, uh, you know, Adam's family values is very mm-hmm. good. But just the original show, I think, just beats out any other one. And maybe it's like the 50s nostalgia, but I've never liked any of the modern, like bringing Adam's family into the modern day because they get so hung up on the their weird part. Yeah. And without reflecting the fact that Adam's family is a sitcom first. Yeah. And and the whole thing was like it was supposed to be poking fun at what was popular, like the whole you know, wife bad thing was popular back in the 50s too. Old yeah. Ball and Chain. And it was like, oh, but Gomez is in love with his wife. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like there was a, um, they polled kids and like what their favorite show was. And most came back saying the Adams Family, not because of any like the weird shit, 
but because the mommy and the daddy loved each other so much. And that's that's still incredibly true. Yeah. I still watch and I'm like, man, it is. Th- those are the goals. I don't know. Do you feel decompressed? I feel pretty decompressed. Do we have a show and tell, Murph? We got we to gotta tell and show. Show and tell time. So in this segment, both of us have gone out into the wilds of the internet and brought back a, a kill, a uh, some sort of artifact <laughs> We've to brought present something. to the other, completely blind. Yes. Fru, you're up first. What, what do you have for me? So it's funny that you bring up Christmas carols because I have one that you do not. I? Okay. I'm putting it into the chat right now. Sir Patrick Stewart? <laughs> a Christmas Carol. Well, hold on, let me uh, let me see what this is about. Oh, I didn't know TikTok had a browser version. Yes, it's very convenient. And so, as as Murph is taking in the magic, I have been watching gleefully as celebrities have been picking their new post Twitter platforms, like college athletes picking universities, uh-huh. and Sir Patrick Stewart has placed his bid on tiktok and he is celebrating by reading excerpts from charles dickens's christmas carol every day until christmas so is this kind of like that dracula by mail thing only it's christmas carol by patrick stewart by tiktok yeah pretty much i could get into that he's got a roaring fire i don't know what version he's reading here with all the text on the book yeah it's really it's really cute it's he has sweaters on it's um wait until you figure out that the sound of the fire is added in i would not have picked up on that (laughs) you can man every time i watch a tiktok i'm like oh that's so funny and then i find out it's not an original sound Oh, bonfire sound, sound of crackling firewood, M in field record is the music for the track. <laughs> yeah. But it's so sweet. I love it so much. Dolly Parton has also chosen TikTok as her new home. Um, she had a giant, like, opening post and everyone rejoiced. <laughs> and so as soon as Patrick Stewart showed up, I was like, he has chosen wisely. This is my new obsession until Christmas. Real short and sweet. No. This is cute. Does he do like any? Has he done anything else yet? No. Oh wait, no. He uh he watched the uh, he showed some reactions to the World Cup, which I have no interest in. <laughs> Watching the World Cup, like okay, he definitely has like a young person feeding him the lingo. Oh, and he is. He has done it every day. Yeah. O- other older performers. Colin Mockery has a TikTok. I don't know if anyone's helping him with that. But it's great. Colin Mockery has a trans daughter, so definitely knows internet things. <laughs> that was a hell of a delayed reaction. Okay, Murph, what do you what do you have? What do you So how closely did you follow any of the NFT nonsense that pervade this year? Ugh. Ugh. I got to the part where um, even the K-pop industry was like, we're going to start doing NFTs instead of photo cards in your albums. And everyone's like, don't do that. And the industry was like, oh, okay, we won't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you, um, Seth Green. Oh. Man of a Thousand Voices, Star no. Robot Chicken, Chris on Family Guy. No, don't tell uh, me. <laughs> he really got into NFTs. Oh, <laughs> He got so into NFTs, 
um, he was going to make a show mm. about his, his bored yacht club ape named Fred. <laughs> um, but then his ape was stolen. <laughs> he, get, he fell for a fishing scheme. All of his apes were taken, and he wound up paying two hundred and sixty thousand dollars in ransom to get it back. <laughs> oh god! And the reason it is so important that he got his ape back is because it was the star of the show, and he couldn't legally use its likeness without uh owning the nft oh my god and so a pilot was made for the show i don't think it was picked up but we do have a trailer that a bootleg of the trailer that premiered at an nft convention a what <laughs> and so i have this for you to watch uh you you can leave in your live reactions or what have you but i just sort of want the postscript this is of- just Titled Deeply Diseased, maybe the most embarrassing shit I've ever seen. The trailer for Seth Green's NFT uh, show. NFT show. It was going to be called The White Horse Tavern. Uh, mm, mm, I have feelings. So just, just let it, just let it roll. <laughs> You're making the same face I did first time I saw this. Seth, what happened? I love that this was, like, projected in a stadium, the Viking Stadium. Yeah. (laughs) I wish we had a shot of the crowd. Me too. This- how do I explain this? Okay, I- I only have, like, 20 seconds left of the video, but it's, um, this is a lot. It's- it's- I have watched this maybe once a month since learning about it. Six months ago? Yeah. What's an NFT convention? (laughs) Okay, so do you know how, like, okay, um, this is probably going to be really niche. When you go to a convention, um, more specifically what I'm drawing off of is when you go to, like, youth group conventions and, like, they have, like, media packages of, like, skits. Like, they're really highly produced, but they're kind of garbage. Um, this feels exactly yes. the same. This yes, I can kind of get that. It feels yeah, exactly the done. same. I feel like some some animated ape is going to turn and look at the camera and be like, and that's why human trafficking is wrong <laughs> at any moment. Oh my god, there, oh wow. How it was just, would you describe the tone of this trailer? That's what's so weird about it. Like it's... When you hear Seth Green NFT show... I'm hoping I'm going to be getting some like Adult Swim garbage, not like... Disney XD garbage. I think he's trying to do, like, BoJack Horseman, but the humans are live action. Yeah. Oh, it's super weird. I can't get a read on the tone. I don't know what's going on. The trailer is set to Imagine Dragons on I'm on Top of the World. Is for... that what that is? Yeah. It sounded like stadium music. <laughs> that might have been contributing to the church feeling I had. Seth plays the ape who is wearing a skeleton shirt and has a halo. Which also just tells me Seth never outgrew the emo age. <laughs> 2008 hit him hard. And then, like, he's a bartender. Yeah. And he and his, like, co-bartender have, like, a rapport. It looks like the pilot was going to be, like, a Valentine's Day episode. It's so specific. It's so specific. And- especially considering six months ago was, like, June. Yeah. Not even remotely valentine's day and way too early for next valentine's day and it's also like would you say this is well produced like how the show 
looks. It looks like you hired someone who makes um, recruiting ads for colleges. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I can see that. <laughs> it has like this really specific depth, like depth of field. <laughs> and all like the uh, NFT characters are like different art styles and like animations. It's like Amazing World of Gunball. Yeah. And they're and I also like all anthro. I just want to know. Okay, are the NFT characters independent? Because in the trailer, it seems like they're all paired up with a human, and I don't know if there's like, like an um a master owner relationship. Oh, present. oh, because there's that weird. There's the weird like zombie zombie girl who's like, I want to take that rose. Yeah, and then like her her old lady with her is like, no, don't take it, and pulls her away. I think they're just gonna be. I I don't know. I don't know. There's a weird dynamic now that you bring that up. I'm uncomfortable. It's so it's so discomforting because it's like it's the uncanny valley of show trailers <laughs> where if you didn't know what an NFT was, you'd be like, oh, this looks like really, this looks like the next big thing. This is like demented web kittens. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like anything that's happening. I don't... And it doesn't help that the main character is is an ugly-looking ape with a halo and a skeleton shirt. And because I think of how... I think because of how NFTs work, they can't modify that. You know, they can't ever have him without the halo because then that's someone else's NFT. They yeah. got the non-halo variant. Yeah, because they all have to be randomly generated. Yeah, and so now they have to, like, probably justify in the plot why he has a halo... Or any of that. Like, I just... And it's all... It, it's still, like... It's just shenanigans at a bar. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's giving, like... It, it's giving half-assed It's Always Sunny. It's giving half-assed yeah. Cheers. It's not a full ass. <laughs> in any direction. Did you like the joke where the gay guy says, I'm the only ballet person in my ballet class that can make a fist? <laughs> That's, like, the one actual joke quotations marks in the trailer otherwise the trailer itself just feels very like down to earth and serious and like that's your opening move yeah this is your opening move oh my gosh it was like a lifetime movie made by cartoon network i don't understand <laughs> it's like out of jimmy's head <laughs> i'm just befuddled <laughs> i'm flummoxed i so like part of me wants to escape to the timeline where this got greenlit seth greenlit um but and I just want to know what the fandom would be around this. And whether or not, you know, if it's an NFT show, are people allowed to draw fan art? I was going to say they have their own NFTs, but they all have to be modified. Yeah. Like, oh such a God. weird, what a weird year this has been for, like, celebrities and corporations showing their ass with the blockchain. It's so weird. I'm real tired of NFTs. I haven't heard about them in a couple months. Until you've brought this up to me. So I'm hoping this means they're on the way out. <laughs> yeah. But as far as I can tell, nothing else from this show has manifested. Like, theoretically, this is a full pilot that's been filmed, but it's not anywhere online. All we have is the trailer. We don't even have an official name for it. I'm just assuming the name is White Horse Tavern because that's what the trailer ends on. Yeah. Is a shot of the ta bar and it says White Horse Tavern, which is a real tavern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. Okay. I mm, I don't know. So I, that's... Oh, man. That's from me. <laughs> Patrick Stewart's not on NFTs, is he? I don't think so. 
I, I don't think so. So I, I think that you already had a good contender for a wild card. That would have been a good wild card. But for this week's wild card, we have some listener mail. Gotcha, bitch. It's a wild card. And we actually do have things in the mailbag from this podcast is a bad idea at gmail.com. If you want to coerce us to um, read your drivel online, we will absolutely do that. If you send us an email to this podcast is a bad idea at gmail.com. First up is from Calvin from thetwingeeks.com and man of many podcasts. His email is titled fanfiction. Okay. While I've titled this email fanfiction, I hope you are not disappointed. I have not written any for your show. Mm-hmm. I would, see, but I've never read fanfiction. I don't know anything about it. It's one of the only things I don't have an opinion about. I wonder if a fanfiction episode, or maybe even episodes devoted to specific communities, would be interesting to explore. Feels like we're halfway there with Avatar. About to go look at some fan content about Avatar. I sure hope it's not obscene. Cal. I feel like we could do a fanfiction taster episode. Yeah. Like- Welcome to fan fiction. But yeah. as far as like, I really would like to look at like maybe some individual fix on the episode list, like our, our document of bad ideas. Yes. I have a episode idea in there. Um, samples from the longest fanfic and English language document ever written. Because <laughs> if you didn't know, the longest written English language document ever written is a... Fan- well, it was one for Super Smash Bros. Brawl, um, but it has been dethroned by something called The Loud House Revamped, oh. which is based on the Nickelodeon show The Loud House, um, <laughs> and that is 16,777,000 words long. Wow. Jesus. Well, what what I was going to say is that, um, first of all, first of all, Cal, this is accidentally the perfect episode for you. Oh, yeah, it is. Y- you might learn a lot on this one. Also, Murph, what would you say are, are some quintessential terms when navigating the fan content sphere, especially fan fiction? AU. AU is all alternate universe. So if all, yeah. the co- if all your characters work in a coffee shop, that's a coffee shop AU. Especially if they don't o- originate in a coffee shop yeah. or a place that even... Like, Friends can't be a coffee shop AU. Gilmore Girls can't be a coffee shop AU. Game of Thrones can be a coffee shop AU. Yes. Um, shipping is very important. Shipping is... You've, shipping. You've smashed two characters together into a relationship. Yep. And yep. now you ship them together. A crack ship is a term where you ship two people that have never met and wouldn't because they belong to different properties. And crack in general is a fandom term that um, I'm an old man about and I'm just not huge on in general about calling things crack, but that's what comes with the fandom. Um, and it basically is just memory and tomfoolery. Yeah. We, we can get into crack later in this episode. There's a fanfic called Gritty Kills Tony Stark. There you go, Cal. That's perfect for Calvin. And there, it's about the Gritty, the mascot for the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, <laughs> murdering Tony Stark with a <laughs> guillotine made of pure communism. <laughs> and that was what we would describe as a crack fic. You know, it's, yeah. it's aware that it's weird. It's aware that it's a joke. And you see this misused a lot in high school AUs. 
Because a lot of writers think that crack fix mean that it's just you and your friends chilling on a Saturday night smoking and making jokes with each other. Yeah. I think that the, uh, the appeal of crack fix is when the person, like, takes it seriously. Yes, that's the best. The I best. once saw, like, a Ruby, the, the Rooster Teeth <laughs> anime, oh, no. where it was, like, Ruby, but they're lemurs. <laughs> And it wasn't, they didn't do any of the shit from the show. They didn't, like, bust out big weapons or anything. It was just like, what if these characters were lemurs living on the island of Madagascar? Literally lemurs. And it was, like, three <laughs> chapters long. I learned a lot about lemurs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yes, I think we definitely, um, we have a lot of retrospectives lined up, but we also definitely Fru, have, Fru, yes? explain the citrus scale. The citrus scale! <laughs> It's weird because AO3 doesn't really use it. Now, I hear people are trying to bring it They're back. They're trying to bring it back. The 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 old guard. Ever since Tumblr banned porn. Yeah, because after after Tumblr imploded, they're just now allowing artful boobies back on the app. Female presenting nipples. Yeah. <sighs> that so that it might start returning to form, but it was like after Tumblr imploded and everyone moved to AO3 um because fanfiction's its own mess over at fanfiction.net. Um yeah. there was there, there were lemons, there were limes. <laughs> These are terms that exist and they have implications in slash fix. <laughs> yes. A slash pairing means that these are people who are together, not associated, but they're... they're, they're in they're, the biblical sense. In the biblical sense is the great way to put it. So even I'm trying to remember because like I wasn't even partaking in fanfiction very much when lemons and limes were even really used. All I know is that all I could gather was that lemons were now I'm not even confident. No, I don't even know. I just have spotlight syndrome. I've only ever heard the term lemon. I've never heard limes. <laughs> yeah. The citrus scale is used to measure the intensity of sexual activity in the fanfic. It yeah. ranges from very mild to insanely wild. <laughs> so citrus is like is like very vanilla, mild interactions. Orange is for 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 things that have a hint, a soupçon of sexuality. <laughs> Lime would be like heavy making out, maybe maybe some 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 heavy petting, <laughs> some 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 touch a touch a touch me energy, and then and then. Bluntly, right here, it says, lemons have actual sex. <laughs> now that I know. And then there's grapefruit, which is to go even further beyond. Oh, so dark fix. Yeah. As they're called now. <laughs> so, Calvin, you can sprinkle these into your um, your postings on the Twin Geeks Discord. Yeah. <laughs> tell us, next, next movie review you do, tell us where it fits on the citrus scale. That's your homework. <laughs> these are... Great conversations to have now that I know that my dad's a listener of the show. Hi, Dad. <laughs> it's gonna get worse. You don't have to listen. I told you. <laughs> uh, what what else do we have for emails? <laughs> also for emails, we have our dear Stephen. He has written into our inbox. His email. Hello, is, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. His email is titled "This email is a bad idea." Hello, you two. You know I love to receive emails. Well, I also enjoy sending them. But what to write about? One of the prompts was to praise Fru. Far too easy. Another was to get Murph to remember things from 2000. Again, too simple. So remember when movies would get children's cartoons? 
There were the real mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, of course, but also a Robocop cartoon, you know, for kids. So your job is to pitch the Avatar Saturday morning cartoon for kids. Pretty sure there are no cartoons called Avatar, so this will be easy. Get some ideas together and then seal it with that perfect elevator pitch. Yours sincerely, friend of some shows, enemy to others, Steven. Okay, this is pretty easy. You do this like uh, Digimon Trainers. Yes! Where where it's a bunch of kids living at Hell's Gate. Yes! And they have to, they have to warg into their Avatar bodies to solve problems around. Yes! I was the, like, Avatar the... plus Ender's Game. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, but it was also like Sword Art Online, so it's like a locked-in VR thing. And you have like, yeah, you have Cortic, uh, Scott Lang's character, as sort of like the antagonist, but he's also like the headmaster yeah. equivalent. Yeah! Where it's like, they know he's up to no good, but they can't prove he's done war crimes. <laughs> I was picturing it, like, already being dubbed from whatever superior Japanese voice acting there was and ported over <laughs> to W Kids on Saturday mornings, where it would show after yeah. Sonic. I'm picturing something very W Kids orientated. Exactly. Give me jelly donuts. You could have, like, when they get in, like, the Avatar pods, you can recycle some animation, kind of like Code Lyoko. Oh my god, Yes. Exactly. And then they wake up. Uh, we would have four kids, uh, one girl, three boys. Yes. And and they all have to have cool, cool markings that, like, fit in with their archetypes. Uh, one of the boys has a cybernetic leg. Um, <laughs> and he he likes, he idolizes Jake Sully. Uh, this is post-Avatar 1. Okay. So a new, a new holistic uh, Hell's Gate has been set up. Yeah, where they're trying to live. It's like the it's like the um um Pandora World of Avatar at Disney World. Okay. Where they're living in harmony with the Navi. Yes. <laughs> so like one episode the kid with the cybernetic leg meets Jake Sully and he's like, "I don't know, I'm disabled. Can I do anything?" And Jake Sully's oh. like, "Well, you know, I used to be in a wheelchair." And learns <laughs> lessons. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, one I, of the I, other I... kids is like a a plant nerd and he's got glasses. And he's not, he's, he's the hiccup of the group. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say the girl is problematically the only one of color and she's Asian. And she's like, I'm not going to do what my parents want me to do. I don't want to go to school. I'm going to be rough and tumble. I'm the fighter of the group. She's a vagrant. She snuck aboard the cryostasis (laughs) ship from Earth. Oh um, my god. And her past is like mysterious but, until her like father shows up in one episode and it turns out he's like a, a a trillionaire. Oh my god. He has unobtainium. Yeah. It, it, and and she has to like she she mentors under Sigourney Weaver. I think the nerdy kid would. Oh yeah, no, the nerdy kid would. And he would be like the soft one. The girl, she wants to be a Navi. She has like an episode where she's in the Navi body too long and it like starts killing her human body. <gasps> and they have to like teach her like, no, you gotta. You have to value yeah. you, the body you were born in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're all color coded. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking um, sort of the theme song would be something like very like world music where you can't quite <laughs> pin down what the culture is but there's a lot of drum and flutes and then a guitar kicks in but it's also weirdly digital in places because you have to remind them that there's like a whole avatar process yeah our fourth kid is probably going to be like the the rogue of the group he's like the soldier uh he's he's in scouts yes 
and he's sort of the leader of the group because he he takes charge, but he's also conflicted because he he thinks the av- he thinks the Navi are no good. Oh God! They've, they've attacked humans, <laughs> and he has to he has to learn what it means to be a real leader. Okay, so what's it called? What's it called? It has to like it, it, it's gonna it's gonna mesh with Avatar the rest. Avatar: Warriors of Pandora. Yes. That also fits on a toy box. Yeah, Make and that adult. also means that the uh, the abbreviation is WAP. <laughs> <laughs> it also has a video game. Um, but only um, for the DS. Only for the DS. Um, but there's also randomly like a skateboarding collab. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> You're right. And that's, that's Avatar Warriors of Pandora. <laughs> There is your meal, Stephen. Enjoy. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's time for the speaking of, of the uh, groups of four kids doing things. <laughs> I believe, with that, it is time for the reason of the season. It is time for the main topic. Get on with it. Um, Murph. What are the rise of the brave tangled dragons? Just, just real quickly, what on the base level? This is a crossover AU of four movies released in the early 2010s: Tangled from Disney, Brave from Pixar, Rise of the Guardians from DreamWorks, and How to Train Your Dragon from DreamWorks. And what if the main characters of all four were best friends? So you got Jack Frost, Merida, Hiccup, and Rapunzel. Yep, yep. That that's that's it. And it that's the starting point. It, that's the starting point. And it's um, there's some there's multiple crossover fandoms. Um, you can still find Super Hulock blogs on Tumblr active today. So I actually have a, a, a some delineation here. Okay. Because Super Hulock I always took as a a super fandom. A super it's just fandom. a hybrid of the BBC Sherlock, Doctor Who, and Supernatural. Right. I don't... Is the crossover element implicit in Super Who Lock? Because it is here. It is here. It may actually... Yeah, that might be a very good distinction to make. That that they that these two, these two entities look similar, but they operate very differently. Because I would consider yeah. Rise of the Brave Tangled Dragons to be another super fandom, but... The crossover's very implicit in the material. Yeah. Like, you can't just, like, slap up, like, fan art of Rapunzel and say it's Rise of the Brave Tangled Dragons. Right. You need to have some other character from one of the other movies present. Right. Right. Whereas, like, Super Hulock, they can put up, like, as many gifs of Jabberwocky Bandersnatch as they want. Yeah. And say that, oh, this is Super Hulock because it involves Sherlock. Yes. And so that's for like a gathering of all three of those fandoms. But yeah, I think you're right in in terms of Rise of the Brave Tangled Dragons, which is also just a terrible title. <laughs> I like it. It's, it's grown on it's me. It's so long. <laughs> it just has a terrible mouthfeel. And it's interesting that, yeah, so all of the content all of the content is is crossover. All of it yeah. is you're not going to find one of Rapunzel by herself. You're not going to find one of Merida by herself. It, they're all going to be collaborating in some form. And it usually has to be all four unless it's a ship. Yeah. Unless it's Jack Frost and Hiccup, there's a lot of this. <laughs> that is 
just yeah. them. And that's kind of, I've found two dissenting like points of origin. Mm-hmm. Um, because unlike our creepypasta episode, Rise of the Brave Tangled Dragons is like pretty well documented. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, there are people that think because Tangled and How to Train Your Dragon came out the same year, mm-hmm. um, it started with those two crossing over. But, yes. And then and then later, uh, Rise of the Guardians and Brave came out, and they were sort of merged in um, because people were shipping Hiccup with Jack Frost. But right. other people say that the, the Hiccup, Jack Frost, slash fix were the point of origin, and then... Merida and Rapunzel were added in to make it less gay. <laughs> Which, honestly, I could believe any of these is the thing. I, all I yeah. know is that, like, Hikunzel is the more popular straight ship of, of, mm-hmm. of the group. There is plenty of, like, there's none of, like, Merida Jack Frost. That's not a thing that exists. I've seen a little. Yeah, like, a, a little bit. But I guess that brings up what kind of content is there in Rise of the Brave Tingle Dragons. If you go on Tumblr and you look up the tag, what are you going to find? I think it's just a lot of, like, I, I called this, like, fandom through pattern recognition. Yes, okay. And it's because these are three, three uh, four, 3D animated children's movies. Yes. The crossover is effectively a 3D animated children's movie or just like a 3D animated children's show with like, you know, it's sometimes like slice of life. It's sometimes they're fighting uh, respective villains from each of their movies. Mm -hmm. Most often the villain is pitch black from rise of the guardians. Right. Like the embodiment of the boogeyman, but it's a lot of gift sets of the characters just sort of talking to each other. Yeah. And people, this is a very popular thing to do in fan content where you, take something completely removed, but you make it into your own scene and you put in dialogue. You'll take like a scene of Rapunzel talking to like a scene from Tangled where Rapunzel's talking to Flynn, but he's not in the shot. And then you have the second and then you put whatever subtitles you want there. Like how could you be so obtuse or whatever? Yeah. And then you have the second gif be Jack Frost from Rise of the Guardians and his captions say, I'm not being obtuse. I'm acute. Oh, <laughs> God. And, and, and you also, um, you immediately had a great example of this in this crack vid that you sent me. And it's just the, it's just the four of them assembled in the cafe from Friends, City yeah. Perk. And, it's and just they... there's a lot of crack vids where it's just the characters, but audio from Friends is played over them. And all this did was remind me that Friends is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all it did. I mean, I'm, of course, it's really it's always impressive that these kids have learned like masking techniques. They've gotten like a really good handling of video editing to like mash all these characters together into a setting and basically follow cinematography rules yeah like uh, like the masking aspect is really big because if you you know you can do the thing i mentioned earlier where it's just like a shot reverse shot of some gift sets mm-hmm. but the um the people that go above and beyond actually take like they they mask the character and put them into each other's movies and have yeah. them like reacting to things it has like all four of them some of the more ambitious projects i've seen can like go up to an hour of that yeah, you said you watched some fan movies, and so I I didn't. Yeah, I watched um, what I want to get the name. There's a fan movie called just Guardians, a Rise of the Brave Tangled Dragons 
story mm-hmm. um, on Farah Nelia's YouTube channel. It's just like a premise of like an origin story, yeah. sort of. It's uh, because the premise of Rise of the Guardians, which I don't think a lot of people have seen. They know Jack Frost because he was grown in a lab to be like the sexiest boy ever. Yes. <laughs> but it's like the four, uh, the premises that there are various like guardians chosen by the man in the moon to fight evil forces that would harm the children of the world. Mm-hmm. And this and a lot of fix for this fandom are like, okay, what if all four of them were chosen as guardians? Because the big issue with Jack Frost is that he's immortal. And therefore is like 300 years older than the rest of the cast. Yeah. But if all four of them can be immortal, then they can go to modern times and things. Which is a huge issue that the fandom has, is that Rise of the Guardians is a modern movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, this like, part one released two years ago, uh, part four released two months ago. Like, this is an ongoing, like, fan film, and it's, it's very well done. Like, they don't... Yeah. There's no dialogue. They do that. They just have captions for characters, but you know that just kind of makes it like, <laughs> like a PS1 RPG. You yeah. Need the voice acting. Um, it is funny that they always write out Merida's accent phonetically. Oh God. Oh oh God. Yeah. No, that's a oh, it's a whole thing that th- they do consistently across the fandom. Is that yeah. everyone? Always... I think I blame. I blame. Uh, Ralph breaks the internet. Yeah, for that because they have that joke about people can't understand her because she's Scottish. I also blame J.K. Rowling for doing this to Hagrid, but the fan content I took in kind of similar. Um, of course, you gotta find your FMVs, and you're gonna have to tell me if you recognize this song. Okay, this is the song from um, um treasure planet yep the one where everyone cries when they listen to it yeah which i think this was named sort of the de facto theme yeah this is this was kind of recommended to me on a fan wiki because of how much people love the song with this and when you go in here one of there's some incredibly heartfelt comments for op and everything for making this um like even like even people being of course like whenever you have any huge fandom like people like this got me through really hard times when i was a child it's a very positive fandom it's a very wholesome positive fandom the other theme song i've seen put out is an original song uh, by yes. this girl called lily seven okay we both probably saw this then okay and she's like her story is she just sat down at a piano and in, in, in her words pooped this out in an hour um, when she was 15 yeah um, I don't think it's a great song. It doesn't rhyme, and a lot of the lines aren't metered correctly. But Agreed. Goddamn, if I have not like found myself wanting to listen to it every day, because <laughs> it's just a very pleasant melody, and I like when it gets to the end, and it's like, you can't... Uh, the song is called Something Different, and she's done a few other of these songs, but when it gets to the end, and it's like, you, you, gotta, you gotta live your own life, and you can't have your mother, your father, or the moon <laughs> tell you what to do, because that's Jack's parental figure is the moon (laughs) (laughs) and then we kind of get into the like wider fandom of this where it's like you know frozen was one of the biggest things ever to happen to pop culture yeah and so naturally they try to insert frozen into this and make it rise of the brave tangled frozen dragons which is a lot 
Um, I believe I sent you a fic I found the other day with not just the big four, not the big five or six. It was the big seven because they also added Big Hero 6 into the yeah. mix. Now, I, this is my fandom hot take. I don't like adding Elsa and Anna to the group. Yeah, I agree. They're rich kids. They don't fit the vibe. It's it's far too much, honestly. And uh, But I, I could see adding Hero from Big Hero 6 because he brings a different aesthetic, a different skill set to the group. And he's another modern character just to kind of mix things up a little bit. I do get, like, the people shipping Jack Frost with Elsa because ice powers. Yeah, but I mean, keep it keep it to your own ship. That could be a crossover ship of its own. It also especially bugs me because you pointed out that, like, two of these characters have canonical love interests that don't pop up. My answer, apparently, is that when this happens in Fix, they just don't exist. <laughs> yeah. Or it didn't work out. <laughs> Easy answers. Like, oh, we broke up. Oh, we're on a break. Oh, we're Polly. <laughs> um, I always see it as kind of more like they have the supporting cast that they can fall back on for certain ideas. Like, if, they, if the group has to go to Burke, then they're going to run into the cast of How to Train Your Dragon and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and that's kind of already... Like, if they do keep the canonical partners in there, then they're kind of relegated to supporting cast. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of... They do this awful thing where it's like oh well you're married and boring you go over there you don't get to be in adventures you get to be at home base and man i mean like okay so as far as like the big question is is like what what do the kids get out of it because this is like a really active fandom like i'm finding stuff from like even on tiktok like six days ago six like even yesterday I was looking up, I did my little uh, my little Google Trends search for like mm-hmm. each individual movie. Brave has like almost no results yeah. when you look up like its activity now. But um the like when you search Rise of the Brave Tangled Dragons, it's actually just second to tangled by itself in terms of searches. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. And and Which is weird because do we want to talk about the movies on their own? <laughs> Be- I would love to. <laughs> Because that's a huge part of it for me. <laughs> uh, my, I mean, my... Tangled is it's my favorite Disney movie. It's always in competition, Tangled or Mulan. Yeah. My 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 big question entering this was, were the Source movies even good? <laughs> I mean, How to Train Your Dragon. I love that movie. That's probably yeah. like, in terms of like Pixar's, uh, Pixar's DreamWorks, more like serious movies, not yeah. like Shrek 2. Yeah. Um, that's probably like one of their best and it helps hiccup in the fandom that he's had three movies so there's more content and character development for people to pull in from mm-hmm. absolutely gosh i Rise of the guardians is interesting conceptually you just watched that one huh <sighs> yeah for the first time yep how was it you know there's a time when my family went to go see like every animated movie released mm-hmm. and this was definitely the period where we were falling off that trend uh-huh. Um, yeah. So watching this, it was like falling back in time. <laughs> to watching every single animated the movie. The human that characters that aren't guardians look ugly as sin in that movie. <laughs> it's a real <laughs> jank art style. The main villain looks like he was like stretched out in a taffy puller. Oh, yeah, pitch. Yeah, but yeah. I think it has some interesting like ideas. I think the Jack Frost character is strong and it's makes sense why he just escaped the movie and became his own thing. Yeah. Again, chemically made to be very popular yeah. as a character. He's voiced by Chris Pine. Yeah. And Brave exists. Brave exists. Um, I watched that for the first time since it came out, and I was I was remembering 
that it wasn't good. And I was like, no, Fru, don't be, don't be so down on the movie. It's probably actually not bad. And I watched it again and um, the consensus is it's fine. It would only get a six out of 10 for me because the animation is very pretty. But yeah, upon this rewatch, it's very weird to me that the girl boss movie has to bully Emma Thompson as the queen mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> Merida's like, I don't want to be you. You don't know how to do anything. And her mom is like a literal queen who never would have had to learn any of these things in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> like Merida's like, you don't know how to catch a fish, mom. What? Merit is definitely, like, the odd one out of the group in terms yeah. of just, like, movie presence. But I think she also, like, a big aspect of the fandom is that each of these four characters, they have different hair colors. They have different yeah. outfit colors. They have different, like, silhouettes. So they are distinct amongst each other. Yeah. I mean, they're all white, but... Yeah. And this is also why they're popularly put into Hogwarts they use. Because they... Yes pretty much fit neatly into houses. You can put any four of them into different houses at any time. Why a books based on like where you have different categories and ranks and houses were very popular in the early 2010s. So people were very up on that like Myers Brig, what divergent type are they? What what Hogwarts house are they in? Yeah. What Percy Jackson god are they the son of? Oh yeah. I did find a Percy Jackson crossover with rise of the brave tangle dragons it just looks like a giant mess i was not about to read it (laughs) where not only were they all guardians they were also all demigods it was it was an entire debacle but yeah i mean like uh, i rewatched tangled i still adore it Mm -hmm. like 10 plus years later it's and the fact that it came out before brave and rapunzel has so much autonomy and agency in her movie she has a really good villain. Yeah, compared to the girl boss movie. Compared it's... to the girl boss movie where the villain is a different bear. <laughs> yeah. It's another bear. <laughs> I was like, the villain's actually Merida for wishing her mom would be different in order to fix the problem that she has to get married. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a hilariously teenage decision to make mm-hmm. in retrospect. My mom's making me get married. So obviously I must change her entirely. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy Brave. <laughs> it's a bit of a confused movie. I think it was like the first Pixar movie where I was like, oh no, is Pixar mid now? <laughs> and it's such a shame because like Billy Connolly's in it. Pixar dad's always good. I did see this like, did you come across this war AU? There's like a war AU for every giant fandom and I don't understand it. I don't like it. It's... <laughs> well... See, because in Brave, they mentioned, like, one of the invaders they had to fight off as as unified clans were the Vikings. Yeah. So what if those were the Vikings of Burke? Yeah. And then Jack Frost and Rapunzel, like, I don't know, creep in in some other capacity. But there's a lot of fan art of Hiccup and Merida fighting. Which, yeah. What was weird to me is that there wasn't, like any original animation that I came across. I was finding, like, animatics. You found... I was trying to search animatics. Did you find these on TikTok? Yeah. Like, every once in a while, like, little concept thingies of, like, oh, here's, like, a quick, like, it's... It's all tiny. They're all trifles. There's really not... I found a lot of fan art. I found. I thought it would be so easy to do, like, a Hamilton AU, and then oh. you just do an animatic of the character singing Story <laughs> of Tonight. <laughs> Yes, oh. you have Hiccup as as Alexander Hamilton. You put Jack Frost as Thomas Jefferson. Oh my Rapunzel God. and Merida are there. 
You would have to, like, make up a third one and then they could be the sisters. Yeah. It's a lot. It's clearly a fun fandom. It's it's one of those, it's one of those fandoms that are, like, you can see people developing skills by getting into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like every fandom is without its warts. I definitely found some terrifying fa- fanfics when I was out there. But you're gonna find and them in everywhere. Like the, the dark AU. Yes, you got your, you got your dark fix in every corner. But then it's like, you know, because... Because there's no original animations, yeah, and it all has to be like these these like movies using like masking keyframes and everything. It's yeah. like God, these kids know more like about editing than I do. I tried learning masking once and I gave up. Yeah, or even just really seemingly easy stuff, but key concepts like editing to music, mm-hmm. use of transitions. Even that music video I showed you has really easy like flash to white transitions all over the entire thing but it was like sony vegas pro she she learned it herself and you just kind of wonder like okay what what are they like doing now with these skills like um that girl lily seven i mentioned like you know she's an adult now and she is like still she's making like her own original music yeah and it's interesting where you can see an active fandom that is still going where creators have grown up there aren't a lot of wholesome fandoms from the 2010s left. Yeah. <laughs> the 2010s were rough. We were still recovering from anti-PC culture. Marvel yeah. was becoming a thing. It, it, there was a lot going on in the pop culture sphere that really changed, I think, how fandom was conducted. Especially, like, Walking Dead was coming out. You got that whole fandom mess coming in. Mm-hmm. And that really changed how we interacted, I think, with each other online. Especially as we've had more and more access to people, to concepts, to celebrities. Yeah. Patrick Stewart's on TikTok. Patrick Stewart's on TikTok. Gotta enjoy him while he's here. Yeah. And then I also came across a lot of these, like, spin-off concepts. Oh. Where it's like, let's do Rise of the Brave Tangled Dragons, but it's a different set of movies. Oh. Uh, like, I found Wreck It Up Despicable Monsters. Terrifying. I don't like that name either. Where it's Wreck It Ralph, Carl from Up, Gru from Despicable Me, and Sully from Monsters, Inc. as, like, single dads raising their kids. Are the kids also there? Yeah. Okay. 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 You find okay. this, uh, the modern big four okay hold on what so i heard I've, I've seen it in passing but i kind of just skipped over it what is this hold on let me give you the i'm scared i'm frightened all right so i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna tell you because these are four characters from like modern movies like okay. well, set in modern times okay i'm gonna read you each character that's a part of it and let me tell you how your your interest is out of 10 okay so so violet parr from incredibles so Six out of ten. Wilbur Robinson from Meet the Robinsons. Four out of ten. <laughs> Hero from Big Hero Six. Uh, five out of ten. Penny from Bolt. <laughs> A one out of ten? I would have been more interested in Bolt. <laughs> There was a hamster in Bolt. I would have been interested in the hamster. And then some other people like try to make the the modern six where they include Riley from Inside Out and Vanellope from Wreck It Ralph. Okay. Okay. <laughs> See, none of these none of these hit quite right. Yeah, or the um mid two thousands or twenty tens TV shows fandom, which is a crossover of Steven Universe, Gravity Falls, 
and over the garden wall. That's not bad. That, okay, the reason I highlight this one is because of the name, Stephen Falls Over. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, no, that one's good. That one wins. I like that one. But then I also just see things that are like Rise of the Brave Tangled Dragons, but then they cross over with Hotel Transylvania. They go to the hotel and Mavis is there. Yeah. And I, it, it occurred to me that this is just kind of like 3D animated movie League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. That is precisely what it is. It's just like, oh no, it's these four characters, but they live in a world where all these movies are connected in canon. And it's just adventures in that one. Yeah. And that's where it's, like, clicked for me, because I, 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 I unironically love the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen concept, mm-hmm. which is every every non-essential character is, like, a named character from some sort of piece of fiction. No, this is, I mean, th- this is precisely the point of, of the fandom. And I, I think that's yeah. just honestly a really great original, original idea that that only i feel like can exist given with like i said how we interact with each other in this fandom space yeah i like it this this this, this is a this is a good fandom i on i think i unironically like became a fan of this concept of these like four characters being together because like when i get down to it like the the core idea of a fandom like these four personalities having a a rapport and a, a dynamic like i can't refute that right try as i might i'm thinking it's like no no this works you have like the uh, merida is like the spitfire like the adventurous one jack is like the angsty prankster hiccups mm-hmm. the the fumbling like geek slash leader and rapunzel's the beam of sunshine it's like yeah no that's a workable dynamic yeah and you know what? I'm I'm subscribed to the chan the Farah uh, Nelia's channel because I want to see how Guardians: A Rise of the Brave Tangled Dragon story ends. I'm watching your career with interest. <laughs> yeah, I think like this is this is so wholesome, and I wouldn't like of I I wouldn't bully anyone in this fandom. I guess <laughs> I don't know when I started doing this, but I kind of started classifying <laughs> fandoms that we that we review. Um, on like an SCP scale, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. That this is like a Euclid. That's easily like, oh, that this is it's pretty compared to like compared to like the Avatar fandom we looked at last episode, where I was like, you guys are kind of fundamentally missing the point of the movie in some aspects. Yeah, <laughs> like that, and yeah, like for that it was like that was a Keter. That was that was like a Keter class for me. But this is like no, the the core of the fandom is that everyone understands the dynamic. Everyone yeah. understands the movie, the characters, and that's why there's so it's so easy to make content for. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think there's ever going to truly be truly be a safe safe fandom out mm-hmm. there. I'm terrified to see what would happen if we ever looked into like Bluey or Paw Patrol or something. It I just Yeah. There's always going to be that edge as far as internet fandoms go. But as far as what we've already reviewed goes, yeah, this is already, like, this is wholesome. I would spend time here. I would go hang out, just see what's going on. Maybe fewer Hogwarts fandom uh, AUs, but... Yeah. I, I might work this into into my fan fiction touring <laughs> whenever yeah. I'm looking for something new to, to go browse through. It's a good egg. Uh, it's a... It's a it's a good you know because the holidays are all about us coming together, in the time of winter. Yes, it's a it's a terrific way to wind us down. So, speaking of bringing us all together, Murph, I think with with uh the the wrap up of 
of us agreeing that we like Rise of the Brave Tangle Dragons. These are these are good people. Do do you have any uh any any plugs any shout outs that you would like to to put into who who can we cross over with Yeah, who who are we going to cross over with? Well, in the Twin Geeks AU, we have a few <laughs> um slash pairings. We have Vaughn and Steven. We call that ship I'm thinking of spoiling things. Yeah. Uh where they primarily talk about uh modern movies in their entirety, uh, usually doing like two or three an episode now, mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of movies that both of them want to see, and they usually give like recommendations and stuff. And they also do listener mail. That's where we got the idea. There, um, when you ship uh, Stephen and Jack, we call that stacks, <laughs> uh, where they usually just cover like a plethora of different like rotating shows. They have Kino Thanks, where they look at like. The worst movies on the letterbox bottom 200 um they also have a patreon where you can subscribe to them to get uh movie commentaries and the like and some bonus videos like jack going through his dvd collection ship david and calvin which is partly problematic problematic because david has a canonical partner <laughs> <laughs> but we just forget that they exist <laughs> that's called the twin geeks um, where every episode they look at uh, part of a director's filmography. They're on a bit of a break since finishing Robert Altman, but I believe they're coming back uh, strong with the new year. But in the meantime, they do have other alternative ships that you can also peruse. In uh, these are a bit more crack shippy, a little TVH. bit, a little, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more niche. We got uh, David and Steven. We, we we call that one Ashes to Classics, where they uh, take a look at. For lost and refound silent films and discuss what was lost but now is found. That's a good podcast. You learn a lot about film history, film preservation. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, then we have Calvin and Vaughn in Critical Consideration. Yes. Where they're, uh, because they're both members of the Seattle Critics Society, they're um, talking over the ballot this year for the Seattle Critics like Film Awards. Mm-hmm. We have we have all that and more. And then I myself have my own spinoff ship called that the Daydream Cast, where me and uh my my ship pairing Brogan talk about a different <laughs> video game every uh every two weeks. What is next? By the time this episode goes up, we'll be talking about the PS One cult classic Vagrant Story. Ooh, I don't know what that is. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's a good episode. Um, Brogan's not on it, but <gasps> I'm there. With with some 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 testing partners, I've got a uh, returning guest host Brendan, and I also have our good friend uh, Oliver. <gasps> I'm very ready for this pairing. Yes, I've been waiting for this crossover to happen forever. <laughs> but yes, all that and more can be fo- found in our in our home network of the Twin Geeks. You can catch our podcasts wherever you do catch them, whatever net you are using. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and do we have any idea what's coming up for us? I, I know we have some good stuff in the document of bad ideas. Yeah, we have some. I think we've settled on what the next episode is. The people demand it. It's very in flavor with this uh, this episode, premise-wise. <laughs> but I'll I'll leave that as a teaser. Yes, that's a good cliffhanger. And you can look forward to that in the new year. In the new year. And where we will be new people. And I believe there's some space jazz playing us out right now.